On this episode of the This Is Believeland podcast, I am joined by the host of the Locked On Patriots, Mike DeBate. How are you doing today? Jimmy, I'm doing very, very well. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Uh, looking forward to it. Talking a little Browns Patriots. Uh, always a good way to uh, to spend an afternoon, my friend. Yeah, uh, you know, the class of the NFL and the joke of the NFL for the past 20 years. So that's uh, that's where we've been at. <laughs> Well, you know, those roles could end up being reversed if uh, Jared Stidham doesn't end up panning out exactly how we hope. No, I'm all kidding aside. <laughs> when you've got Bill Belichick, uh, uh, you know, stoking the sidelines, it's a pretty safe bet that you'll at least be respectable. But uh, don't be so hard on uh, on the Browns. I think uh, I think their time is, is coming and, and hopefully soon. I've always been kind of a periphery Browns fan myself. I always wanted the, the franchise to succeed. Always liked seeing them uh, in the thick of things. So uh, hopefully good things are on the horizon for them in 2020 and beyond. Yeah, hopefully. I hope. My personal opinion, I don't think they're there yet, but I hope. Um, you brought up Jarrett Stidham. Let's talk about Jarrett Stidham and the quarterbacks in New England. Uh, you know, no more Tom Brady. He's gone. Uh, they are opting to go with Jarrett Stidham. Uh, they brought Brian Hoyer back for like the third time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and they even uh, took a flyer on Michigan State's Brian Lewerke. So it seems like they're keeping their options open, but it, it seems like they're going to give Jared Stidham as many opportunities as many opportunities as they can. Oh, yeah, that's definitely uh, how the season seems to be uh, uh, progressing, is the Patriots are going to look and see what they have with Jared Stidham. Now, albeit, I think there's... A lot to be said for the lack of preparation time that these teams may have. We live in hope, Jim. We're hoping that the Patriots and all other the NFL teams have a training camp, have a mini camp, have the opportunity to gel a little bit as a unit before they start playing in the preseason and before the regular season starts. Obviously, we don't know how that's going to work yet. We're still in unprecedented territory. COVID-19 has messed up pretty much everything when it comes to professional sports, including the NFL, even though their offseason has kind of progressed along as we had hoped, albeit on a virtual level, they've met all the milestones. Well, now the in-person workouts are going to start to uh, to happen. So states are relaxing their guidelines. I'm optimistic that they're going to have time on the field, but ultimately, I think it's Jarrett's job to lose. If he comes in and is not capable of leading this team or he shows slow signs of progression, I think that's why they have Brian Hoyer. He's a very good insurance policy. He knows the system. Uh, he knows Bill Belichick. He knows Josh McDaniels. He's capable of making spot starts. He's the perfect guy for a transitional quarterback if he needs to start the season because Brian's not going to make a fuss if he has to hand the keys back over to Jarrett midway through the season or beyond. That being said, I still think Jarrett's going to get the uh, the ball uh, under center when the Patriots kick the season off. Look, there's a lot to like about Jarrett Stidham. Um, I've had the opportunity to cover him in practice. I've seen him progress from a rookie through preseason, through even the regular season. And he can step up. He can make the throws. He makes reads very well. Uh, he's very savvy. He's capable of extending plays with his legs. The concern with Jarrett is when he doesn't have time and he's forced into very quick decisions making needing to get rid of the ball is something he's had difficulty with at Auburn even at Baylor when he first started if the Patriots can give him the offensive line that he's going to need to protect him give him time set in the pocket make his throws find his targets 
I think he's going to be a very good fit here in New England, and I think he could raise some eyebrows this year. But if he's going to be scrambling around and he's not going to have the time he needs, it could be a long season in New England. And then you may see Brian Hoyer a little bit more than Patriots fans expect. But ultimately, I think they're rolling with Stidham. I think it's the smart move, and uh, we'll see what the kid has. Yeah, Patriots getting a lot of, uh, I'd say, outside criticism uh, for the decision to go with Stidham. You know, a lot of people have been trying to make the you know the campaign or the uh, suggestion that they should go sign Cam Newton, but it's, it just doesn't seem like it's a, a Patriots move to sign someone like Cam Newton, um, <clears throat> especially with all of his past injury concerns. Uh, that's not necessarily the way that the Patriots operate, and what we know about Jared Stidham from the outside perspective is a lot less than, let's say, someone like you or people in the Patriots organization know. For all we know, they may view Jared Stidham as a better option for them right now than Cam Newton is. Yeah, I believe that's exactly what happened. Look, there's no denying that Cam Newton is an extremely talented quarterback. And I think a lot is made about, oh, he doesn't fit the Patriots mold. I don't necessarily think that's the reason why they didn't sign Cam. I think a lot of people that I've talked to within the organization, close to the organization, have nothing but respect for Cam Newton, his game. And they're really intrigued by, uh, you know, his being a free agent. But I think at the end of the day, New England knows what they have in Jarrett Stidham. The quantity that you have is always more valuable than the quantity that you don't know. The grass always looks greener on the other side sometimes until you get there and you may discover it's not quite fit. I think the Patriots drew a beat on Jarrett Stidham last year in the draft, picked him up with a fourth round pick. He came in here, did a very good job, immediately unseated Brian Hoyer for the backup position. People forget that Brian Hoyer was released by the Patriots last year uh, during cutdown before the regular season started in 2019. Um, that was interesting because now he's coming back to be Jarrett's backup and they were competing for the job last year. But ultimately, I think what they like about Jarrett is his ability to read, his ability to be able to understand the complexities of the Patriots offense. It's not easy for a veteran quarterback that's used to doing things his way, a la Cam Newton, Jameis Winston, a lot of the names that you heard, even Andy Dalton. Uh, these guys are set in their ways. When you come in and have to learn a system that's as complex as the one Josh McDaniels has, it's difficult. It's very tough for a quarterback that's already established to come in and be able to assimilate into that position. I think they see what they uh, what they like in Jarrett Stidham, and I think at that point, that's the reason why they're rolling with him as opposed to going with a guy like Cam or Jameis or some of the other uh, rookies that uh, they chose not to draft in the draft this year. Yeah, there's a lot to be said about um, the Patriot system and the way that you know certain other veterans are essentially accustomed to their own ways, and they're I don't want to say resistant to change, just a little bit more difficult. So maybe in their eyes, rolling with the rookie from last year, the guy that they already have, that already knows the little quirks, the system, the, the way they like to handle things, they may view that as the better option instead of trying to bring someone in who may perhaps be a better quarterback ability-wise, but may not necessarily be a fit system and culture-wise. Absolutely. So well said. I completely agree with that. And again, let's not forget that Jarrett Stidham did study for a year under one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game in Tom Brady. You don't understudy a guy like that and not pick up a few pointers. The one thing that I can tell you about Jared from personal experience and having talked to people close to him is he's a very quick study. He understands the playbook. He picks up things very fast. So in that regard, um, 
what better type of teacher can you ask for than a guy like Tom Brady? I guarantee you he picked up a lot of his mannerisms, a lot of his mechanics. Now, folks, calm down. I'm not saying Jared Stidham is going to come in and be the cookie-cutter Tom Brady. That's absolutely not going to happen. Tom Brady's irreplaceable. They're, they're, nobody is going to be Tom Brady. Nobody that takes the snaps this year. Nobody that takes the snaps 10 years from now. He's one of a kind. And that's not to say that the Patriots are not going to find a great quarterback once again. They will. They may already have one in Jared. Who knows? But at this point, I think they saw a lot of what Jarrett does and a lot of how he studied. I think they saw a lot of a young Tom Brady in him. And again, I think it's a smart move for them to roll with what they have. If it doesn't work out, uh, Jared is not counting a lot against the cap for them. Um, so it's not a situation where they're investing a lot of money in an option that's not going to be able to work out. Uh, I don't know how amenable he would be after a year of taking snaps to becoming a backup again. Uh, there's all different kinds of, of thought process. But the Patriots have a lot of flexibility right now. And I think that also factors into the, uh, the, uh, the decision as well. Yeah, I, I think they'll be... Uh... <laughs> able to put enough or get enough out of their quarterback options uh, to to avoid being one of the, the worst teams in the league. And even though so many people are trying to say they're going to get Trevor Lawrence next year, uh, do you buy that at all, that they're going to try and, I guess, fail to get someone, you know, and get Trevor Lawrence with a hype draft pick next year? <laughs> you know, that's the common thought. Uh, I say on Locked On Patriots a lot that, uh, oh, the lose for Lawrence or the tank for Trevor. Uh, no, folks, that's not happening. It's not in Bill Belichick's makeup. It just is not within this guy's wherewithal to say, it's better for me to lose games and try to take a flyer, try to take the chance of getting Trevor Lawrence, at, you know, first in the, uh, the first pick in the NFL draft. I don't necessarily think that if they were in a position to do it that they wouldn't jump at the chance i think they would but they're not going to go out there and insistently lose games it's just not going to happen the way this roster is constituted they're not tanking they still retained guys like devin mccordy they still are retaining a guy like stefan gilmore on this roster they still have some pretty good talent dante hightower julian edelman is still on this roster Mohamed sanu is still on this roster you those types of guys were guys that you either jettison or cut loose if you were looking to tank the season and start over and gut the franchise and then be able to bring guys back in. It doesn't make any sense to keep some of the core nucleus together, especially a lot of those key locker room guys that can keep the uh, the Patriots together in difficult times. It's just everything they've done this year is just completely against tanking, including what they did in the draft. So. Yeah, I, I, the expectations in New England have definitely changed. I don't think anybody can deny that. But at the same time, uh, they're not intentionally losing out there, folks. Now they, they will not be tanking. Okay, just wanted to wanted to get that on record right there because you know you, <laughs> you go through Twitter and you know someone you know some of the big guys on you know ESPN, Fox Sports One, they're like, oh, the next uh, next quarterbacks, next five years, you just see Trevor Lawrence and the little Patriots flying Elvis logo next to him. I'm just like. Get the hell out of here. There's no way that this happens. There's like very little chance that it can happen. Because uh, the amount of uh, intentional losing required that they would have to do for that to happen, or the amount of of uh, <laughs> regression Lawrence would have to show next year uh, at Clemson, it, it's just so great that it just it seems very unlikely to happen. 
<laughs> yeah, it absolutely does. This is not an 0-16 roster. This is not a 1-15 roster. I think that's what it's going to take to get Trevor. I think he's probably the consensus number one pick right now. Again, unless he goes out, you know, and there are problems this year. Injury always can factor in, and there's a lot of different factors as well. But if things stay as they are... It's going to take that type of season in order to be able to snag him, and I just don't see the Patriots being quite that bad. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think they may, you know, challenge. I think they could possibly challenge for a wild card spot this year, and we'll probably get into that in a little bit. But uh, I think there's uh, still a lot of pride and a lot of talent left on this roster uh, to uh, to go through a season where they're looking at 0 and 16 or 1 and 15. Now 0 and 16, 1 and 15. You picked those records on purpose. <laughs> I assure you, I did not. Uh, no, I, I really, I really and truly didn't. Uh, you know, it's. Uh, I, I know it's painful. I know the fan base that I'm talking to. But again, I'm, I'm with you guys. I, I am. I'm, I'm. I'm pulling for you, and I'm. I'm hoping for the best. There's. I, I think the future in Cleveland, in the immediate sense, is a little brighter than the future in New England right now but you know what that's why they play the games Jimmy that's why we go and we uh we you know we we have the jobs that we do my friend (laughs) yeah uh one last thing about the current roster and then we'll start talking about uh what they did in the draft uh there was a lot of discussion about the weapons that Tom Brady had last year and they weren't necessarily up to par with some of the groups of players he's had in the past you know I, I like Julian Edelman I'm a big fan of his but you know Muhammad Sanu uh, they had just basically a, a cast of characters at tight end last year. Do they are they better this year, or is this going to be more of a health related issue? And if they don't, if they have the same struggles they do, you know, wide receivers uh, unable to get separation or get open, is this going to be a problem for Jared Stidham? Well, I think wide receiver wise, I think they will be probably about the same as they were last year. Uh, that being said, I expect more productivity out of the guys that are there. The reason being is I think Nikhil Harry and Mohamed Sanu are both going to be healthy this year. God willing, hopefully they will be. But last year, these guys fought some injuries that really prevented them from living up to their expectation. Sanu had the high ankle sprain. He had one very good game in New England against uh, Baltimore, I believe, and he was really some one that was looking to gain a very good uh you know um synergy with tom brady and then all of a sudden he pulls you know he has he pulls up has the high ankle sprain against philadelphia and he was never the same player for the rest of the season was targeted very little he was missing assignments uh he wasn't lunging going after the first downs the way he needed to be he just didn't look like the same player and it was for health reasons it wasn't because he had lost his edge or lost his heart or just simply forgot how to play the game i think muhammad was really hurt last year and i think it showed Nikhil harry the same way Nikhil harry got injured in the preseason was sidelined until week 11 and then all of a sudden comes back and is expected to carry a patriots wide receiver core that really he couldn't carry uh it was a little bit too much for a rookie albeit a first round pick to put all of that on his shoulders julian edelman played through a tremendous pain last year you talk about injury at one point he had an injured finger he had injured ribs he had an injured shoulder and he had an injured knee all at the same time and the guy did not miss a game he missed snaps out there and didn't wasn't always a regular in the rotation but he was still out there so 
you look at that, he still came up with a pretty prolific stat line, over 100 catches, and it's still remarkable that he was able to do what he did considering the injuries he had. But I expect some of the same type of production, but maybe a little bit more uh, because of guys like Harry and Sanu being healthy. When it comes to the tight ends, uh, Jim, they have nowhere to go but up. Uh, the tight ends were abysmal last year. Uh, and, I, and I say that with all due respect to Matt Lacoste and Ryan Izzo, who are really great guys. And I think they gave everything they had, uh, everything they had in the tank, they left out on the field. It just wasn't good enough. And when you look at what the Patriots have done at the tight end position in recent years, whether it be Rob Gronkowski, the late Aaron Hernandez, um, even Benjamin Watson, you know, with a, a couple of cups of coffee here in New England, these guys were always counted on to be targets, to be prolific weapons. They just didn't have that last year. Uh, they finished the league last in touchdowns, last in yardage among tight ends. That is not Patriot-like. So what did they do? They went out in the draft and they got Devin Asiasi out of UCLA. They went out and got Dalton Keene out of Virginia Tech. I think their immediate upgrades over what they had – there's your tight end one and your tight end two, folks, with the New England Patriots this year. Now, are they going to be barn blowers and they going to you know blow the, the doors off the barn? Absolutely not. I mean, they're still rookies. They're learning the offense. They're learning the NFL. But they will be better than what they were last year. So from the offensive skill positions, primarily the receivers, whether it be wide receiver or the tight ends as a receiver, uh, they'll help Jarrett Stidham a little bit more than they helped Tom Brady last year. But it's still going to be a learning curve. Uh, this, this is still going to be a year of building for both of those units yeah <clears throat> uh, not necessarily a uh a, a, a duplicate Gronk Hernandez combination with the rookie tight ends but it's the same uh idea same principle it seems like they're taking is get two tight ends hopefully at least one of them turns into something great maybe one of them turns is just good it seems like that's at least what they're kind of going for with the two tight ends right there yeah, I think so. I think Asiasi is going to be your workhorse. He's going to be the guy. He's a tremendous route runner. I really like that pick uh, because the Patriots haven't had a great route runner as a tight end in a little while. Uh, not since the heyday and the absolute um, you know, peak of Rob Gronkowski, who was a great route runner. Mm -hmm. uh, the last couple of years that Rob had up in New England, he was battling a lot of injury, and he had lessened his ability to run routes simply because his body just couldn't do it any longer. So he needed time to rest and I expect him to return to form in Tampa Bay this year. But at the same time, the Patriots didn't get that same productivity. Aaron Hernandez was a unique talent. Uh, I don't like talking about him much because of the off the field, you know, situation that happened there. And that speaks for itself. That's a conversation for another day. But yes. you can't deny what he was on the field. Mm -hmm. And that was an opportunistic uh, tight end that could block. He could run routes like a wide receiver and he really had the speed and the ability to get into the open field and make things happen Dalton Keene out of uh, Virginia Tech has that capability he is very versatile and reminds me a little bit of what Aaron used to be here in New England when I look at some of the footage from him at Virginia Tech the other thing that's good about Dalton Keene for the Patriots is he can play that H-back even that fullback type of role if you wanted to drop him in the backfield the H-back is where he's more comfortable because that's more of a tight end role but that fullback position is somewhere where he's lined up with James Devlin now retired the Patriots utilize the fullback probably better than anyone in the NFL save for San Francisco so when you look at that there's versatility now at the tight end position and the Patriots haven't had that in a while yeah definitely a good uh at least 
so let's call it an attempt so far to improve the tight end position. Uh, only because <laughs> only because they have not actually uh, played at all. Before we get into some serious uh, draft pick discussion, they draft a kicker. Why? <laughs> well, you know, well, they had uh, they had a spot open on the roster uh, with the release of Stephen Gostowski. I think you know there's all different kinds of opportunities that the Patriots uh, looked at in terms of bringing in a kicker. Uh, Roy Wasser was not a guy that was on my radar, and I'm actually a little embarrassed by that because he started his collegiate career in my home state at the University of Rhode Island, so he really wasn't on my radar for the Patriots. I had looked at him. I knew his name. I knew who he was. But I didn't think the Patriots were going to take a flyer on him, at least not with the high draft capital that they invested to get him. Mm -hmm. Uh, But this is a kid that can kick in difficult weather. And in New England, that's one of the most important things when you talk about Gillette Stadium, the crosswinds that come in on the north side and the south side of the stadium, uh, the elements kicking in snow, kicking in wind-driven rain. This is what happens in fall and winter in Foxborough, and this kid can kick in those conditions. And he's got a big leg, he, He's and he's very... Um, He's got ice running through his veins in a lot of ways as well. He's the type of kicker that will block out the background noise, and he can bear down and he can make them. Uh, he had a 53-yard game winner against Western Kentucky, which to me was uh, a very impressive uh, you know, kick. And probably what the Patriots saw in him, they were uh, present at his pro day. So I think in a lot of ways, uh, he, he was actually able to squeeze in a pro day, believe it or not, before COVID-19 basically shut them all down. So I think in a lot of ways, it really endeared them to him. I thought if they were going to go a kicker in this draft, I thought it would either be Blankenship out of um, Georgia or Tyler Bass out of Georgia Southern. Those are two guys that I had on my, uh, uh, my radar. But Patriots like what they see in this kid. They draft him. After Adam Vinatieri left New England, they used the draft pick to bring in Steven Gostowski, and it worked out pretty well for them. So when the Patriots invest a draft pick in a kicker, it's usually for someone they know can succeed in their system. Jerry's still out, but we'll see what the kid's got. Yeah, uh, you mentioned the the elements in Foxborough. If they end up playing in Buffalo later in the season or even uh, in uh, East Rutherford, New Jersey, when they play the Jets, uh, definitely Absolutely. not great weather-wise. But just had to get the kicker out of the way because you don't see teams uh, drafting kickers in, in round five all that often, although we are surprised occasionally. Uh, you know, a Raiders pick or a Buccaneers pick with a Guayo. Uh, but, <clears throat> uh, you know, just interesting when you see a, a kicker drafted, you know, and not round six or seven. Uh, so right. just had to get that out of the way first. But uh, their first selection, Kyle Duggar, uh, was not received with the universal acclaim from a lot of people. Uh, a lot of people criticized the pick, but he seems like a perfect fit for what they got going on there. He truly does. I think a lot of the uh, negativity surrounding the pick of Kyle Duggar was because fans were hoping for a wide receiver. They were hoping for a tight end. They wanted someone or maybe even a new quarterback. They wanted the name. They really wanted the name. They kind of they were tired of watching all of their players, all of their favorites. Well, I shouldn't say all, but some of their favorites walk out of town, whether it be Tom Brady or Rob Gronkowski or, you know, Kyle Van Noy or Jamie Collins. Seemed like a mass exodus of New Englanders leaving, going for greener pastures. And when the Patriots came around and they selected Duggar, I think a lot of people looked at it and said, well, why did they take him with number 37? They could have had him in later rounds. That's a waste of a pick. But I can tell you it's not a waste of a pick. I think Duggar fits what the Patriots need to do, and I think he fits it so well. Look, there's a lot that he has. He brings an excellent blend of speed, length, size to the position, 
the Patriots love the their versatile safeties and Duggar has the ability to play true safety. He can play free. He can play the strong. He can even slip into that hybrid linebacker as the third safety on the field and go up and provide coverage. That's how versatile he is. He's a very good tackler. He's capable of making stops in key situations. But most important, he's a playmaker. (laughs) I think a lot of people look at him and say, well, he's just a depth piece. No, Kyle Duggar is a ball hawk. He will go and get the football. He intercepted 10 passes, returned six punts for touchdowns at Lenore Ryan. I know it's a Division II school, but he was really a man among men when you take a look at what he was doing on the field. He was so far ahead of his competition, and I think the Patriots picked up on that. Another thing I like about Duggar is he's very good at covering tight ends. The Patriots were poor in that area last year. They didn't have a whole lot of deficiencies in their defense. One of them was covering tight ends, and I think Duggar on the field now, assuming Patrick Chung's going to be healthy too, with the two of them and the way they're able to cover – I think they'll shore that point up, and that's going to be big when you take a look at some of the teams that they're playing this year with some of the tight ends they're going to have to cover. They're playing San Francisco uh, in an inter-conference uh, uh, you know, game. Uh, they're covering uh, you know George Kittle there. Um, Kansas City, obviously, with Travis Kelsey and one of the best in the game. So they're going to have to learn to cover and be able to contain these guys, and I think Duggar helps them do that. I was a fan of the pick, and I still am. Yeah, one of the things that uh, New England values is versatility and the ability to play on special teams, and he does both. Absolutely. And another, again, him his factor into the return game is something that also endears him to, uh, uh, to the New England Patriots. A guy that they brought in uh, by free agency, Adrian Phillips, who when I covered the Los Angeles Chargers a few years ago, was a guy that I covered there. I was really thrilled to see the Patriots bring him in because in a lot of ways he reminds me a little bit of Kyle Duggar. He's that type of physical safety that can go be kind of a chameleon in the defensive backfield and really help a defense, but his special team's prowess is so key uh, that I expect him to be a contributor this year as well. But ultimately, Duggar's versatility is what the Patriots really liked, and I think he's going to be a very good pick and a very good player here for a number of years. Definitely. Uh New England went out and got a couple linebackers after the Duggar pick. Uh, Josh Uche and Anthony Jennings. Uh, you know, you mentioned the departure of Jamie Collins. Uh, I, I imagine they're trying to replace him. Uh, I think they'll do a good job because Jamie Collins has been great in New England and so-so <laughs> everywhere else. So I think, you know, they can get one of those guys to replace what they're losing in Jamie Collins and, you know, Kyle Van Noy. These two picks were actually my two favorites. I mean, I like the the Duggar pick. Don't get me wrong, but Uche and Jennings back to back in round uh, in round two and round three to me were the prototypical Patriots picks. Look, Uche is undersized. He's not the prototypical linebacker that the Patriots select in terms of size, but he really does fit that mold in Foxborough. He's well coached in uh, University of Michigan very disciplined and to me I think that's going to project him best as an outside rusher and an interior blitzer Um, he's one of the more underrated pass rushers in the 2020 NFL draft I really think this kid's going to turn some heads Um, again he's got the skill set to make an immediate impact rushing the passer and I love Uche's combination of initial quickness bend and closing speed I'm really looking forward to seeing what this kid can do, especially alongside a former teammate of his and Chase Winovich, two former Michigan Wolverines. These guys were good teammates at uh, Michigan, and I expect them to continue that in Foxborough as well. Jennings, I think, has the chance to be the sleeper pick for the Patriots. Um, I think he had 
late first round, second round grades on him before the knee injury in 2018. That really weakened his draft stock. But this guy is a stout run defender. He sets the edge. Again, a very good tackler. Um, he's actually only an average pass rusher, believe it or not. But I think he has that underrated combination of quickness, uh, power, instinct, and his ability to change direction is something that Bill Belichick loves in his linebackers and edge rushers. Very tough, uh, very tenacious, and I think he could work his way into the rotation, especially with guys like Van Noy and Collins having departed. Um, there's positions up for grabs on the Patriots' linebacking core and in the edge, and I think in a lot of ways Anthony Jennings fits that. And, of course, there's the synergy that he has with uh, Bill Belichick, meaning uh, with Nick Saban. You know Saban probably was in his ear saying, this kid's got what it takes to be able to succeed in your system. And, you know, Belichick has uh, – um, he doesn't listen to too many outside people, but Nick Saban is one of those guys that has his ear. So I think this is going to be a great pick for them. I like Jennings and I like Uche, and I think they're going to do a lot to move this defense forward. Definitely agree there. Uh, Save and Belichick connection going all the way back to Cleveland uh, in the early 90s. Uh, Absolutely. You know better than anybody, buddy. <laughs> Where it all started. Now, of their, of their last four picks, uh, they took three offensive linemen and three of their last four picks uh, and a, a linebacker. Um, anything you would have done differently or is this like a more preparing for the future hopefully you, you strike it with one of these types of guys moves yeah i think a lot of it is preparing for the future with these guys look one pick that i was particularly uh, excited about on day three was uh in the sixth round at 182 and that was michael Onwenu, uh the guard again from michigan uh, i really like the wolverines this year and the guys that they brought in uh, i really think that there's a michigan flavor in new england and I, i'm kind of liking it at the moment um look you don't have to worry about size with Onwenu in terms of being a guard six four weighs nearly 350 this guy is a prototypical guard. Excellent length, overwhelms defenders in the run game, and I really like the way he anchors uh, when protecting the passer. I don't see a situation where he's going to easily be bypassed by a pass rusher, if for no other reason, just the massive wingspan that this guy has. People are not going to be able to get by him. Uh, I think he can thrive in a power scheme, which is what the Patriots, I think, are going to employ this year on the offensive line. Um, his size does somewhat limit his athleticism and it might be a good thing for Onwenu that Dante Scarnecchia is retiring this year because <laughs> he likes his he likes his guards he likes his offensive linemen to be in shape and to be athletic I think he might be working on Wayno a little bit harder than maybe some of the guys that are going to be coaching him this year but ultimately uh, he's a durable lineman and I think he's got an inside shot to make the roster this year I'd be very surprised to see him cut loose um, because of the uh, the draft capital they used to get him a couple of other guys that uh you know kind of open your eye a little bit dustin woodard out of memphis being a backup center patriots don't have a lot of depth at that position right now david andrews is coming off of a year in which he missed the entire season due to blood clots in his lungs um all indications are is that David is doing well and that he's going to get a clean bill of health. Uh, I certainly hope that's the case. Uh, David is one of the best guys on the team, character-wise, um, 
preparedness, everything. He brings everything to the table. But it's a wild card, Jim. You never know what's going to happen from one day to the next when that type of health concern is always there under the radar. So Woodard may make the team by default simply because the Patriots need depth at that position. Uh, Cash Malloway is another guy from uh, the linebacker out of Wyoming. A lot of upside, uh, a lot of high motor on this kid. Uh, had some off-the-field issues that uh, I think might have dropped him a little bit lower than he normally uh, would have had. But ultimately, uh, you know, I think these these guys that uh, they bring in toward the sixth and the seventh rounds usually are depth pieces, and they try to latch on to uh, to the, uh, the the roster. I think each of those guys has a chance to make it. But of the day three selections, other than Rohrwasser, who I think is penciled in as their kicker, um, I like Onwenu to make his way onto this team. And, and the reason I asked about uh, specifically their offensive line, their late round flyers, is the ongoing saga with Joe Tooney. What is going on there? Well, I'll be the first to admit, and I think it caught a lot of my colleagues here in New England off guard as well. I don't think I'm speaking for too many people uh, when I say I was very surprised to see the Patriots use the um, the franchise tag on Joe Tooney this year. It's a $14.7 million cap hit. That is a lot to be paying a right guard, excuse me, a left guard. Now, granted, Tooney is one of the best left guards in the league. Uh, he's very important to an offensive line that needs to protect a young, inexperienced quarterback. That should have been clue one to, I think, a lot of Patriots fans that things were not working out with Tom Brady because you don't invest $14.7 million in a guard for a quarterback with the experience and the savvy of Tom Brady. That's a position that can be filled, albeit it's not going to be filled by a guy who's prolific as Joe Tooney. But at the same time, you can still find value with that position and not invest that type of capital. I don't think he's going to go into the season with that type of cap hit. I don't think they keep him on the roster with a $14.7 million cap hit. I think they're trying to work out a long-term deal. I think COVID-19 has helped, excuse me, has kind of hurt their uh, their uh, procedure of being able to negotiate that deal. But in a lot of ways, it might have helped cooler heads prevail in terms of both sides coming together on a deal that makes sense for them both. If they can't sign him, and if it looks like tuning feels that he can do much better on the open market after one year, I think the Patriots will once again entertain the idea of trading him. But at this point, they're looking to keep him on roster. And and everything that I've heard from the team is that they want Joe Tooney to be a part of this offensive line for quite a number of years. I think they view him as someone that's going to be very instrumental in Jarrett Stidham's development. I said to open the show, one of the big problems with Jarrett is when he doesn't have time to make the throws and he's forced to get rid of the ball quickly, he can make mistakes. He's not He doesn't have the experience of Tom Brady that knew when to tuck the ball under his shoulder and take a sack when he needed to or throw the ball away or get the ball away and be able to make a short intermediate completion for the good of the team. Tom Brady was one of the best, if uh, if not the best, in NFL history at doing that. Jarrett's going to need a lot of time for that progression. So what better way to do it than provide him with an offensive line that can give him that protection? Isaiah Wynn is ultimately going to be a security blanket. That's going to be the guy that's going to protect his blind side. But Tooney's going to be up in the, in the interior of the defensive line, offensive line, excuse me. And that's exactly what uh, uh, why they want to keep him on uh, on roster. So Again, I look, my gut tells me that they're going to work out a long-term deal with Tooney that's going to lessen the cap hit, spread the money out over a number of years. I think they keep him in New England, but if they can't get something going toward the, 
start a training camp, then keep a sharp eye out because I really think that he might be on the move at that point. Yeah, moving Joe Tooney uh, might get a good return, but it would definitely have a negative impact on the outlook for this upcoming season. Uh, Yeah, without question. Tooney was someone that if if the the Patriots weren't able to uh, agree to a deal with, I was like, hey, Browns, go do something. Go improve your offensive (laughs) line. (laughs) You know what I mean? He he was one of those type of guys. Uh, You know, they have the the cap room. They have the ability to do it. And I feel the... Uh, Cleveland's window to get things right and moving in the right direction is actually shorter than what it seems. Yeah, I, I think you're probably right on that. I think there is a lot of fan expectation. Uh, I think there's a lot invested in the roster. Uh, I think the players that they have on the roster are hungry to win. They're hungry to win now. I don't think a lot of these guys came on to the scene in Cleveland to ride out a number of year rebuild. I think they they feel that they're on the cusp of something and they want to make those moves. To be totally honest with you, of the teams that out there that might be interested in Joe Tooney's services, I think Cleveland would be an ideal fit. I can definitely see him coming in making life a lot easier for Baker Mayfield, making life a lot easier for some of the guys on the offensive skill positions and be able to block for Chubb. I mean, I think there's a lot of uh, good things that could happen with Joe Tooney in the offensive line of the Cleveland Browns. So if he becomes available, I would be very hard-pressed to say that Cleveland wouldn't be one of those teams knocking on Bill Belichick's door and saying, hey, let's make a deal. Uh, you know, we've got maybe some draft capital. Uh, you know, maybe there's a you know a, a depth player that you've got your eye on. You know, get something for him before he walks in free agency and you get nothing and you're stuck with a $14.7 million cap hit for the year that kind of handcuffs you. I think there's a lot of uh, ability to get something done. So, yeah, if the Patriots can't work anything out, and again, I do expect him to be back in New England but if they can't, I, I think it's uh, it's definitely uh, um, a smart move for Cleveland to at least kick the tires and see what's available there. Yeah, uh, basically to swap him, you know, him out for Wyatt Teller at the right guard position because he is he's fine, but not replaceable. That's that's the how I've described yeah. Wyatt Teller. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I think that's a very accurate way to, to describe some of the offensive linemen that the Patriots had last year. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, let's face it. Isaiah Wynn was injured for a number of weeks, you know, and he had difficulty staying on the field. Uh, obviously, Andrews uh, was out for the entire year. I don't want to knock Teddy Karras, who I think did a phenomenal job uh, coming in for a team captain in David Andrews and really stepping up and playing very well in his absence. So I don't mean to demean uh, Ted Karras. I think he did a great job last year. But, you know, there were just there were some, you know, pieces moving parts on the offensive line last year that just didn't work out the way the Patriots had hoped. They'd brought in Corey Cunningham for a flyer. Uh, they had Jermaine Illuminor on the roster for a little while. He still technically is. I don't know about his prospects about making it this year. They never really quite worked out how they hoped. And the Patriots, let's face it, the right side of their offensive line didn't really provide a whole lot of protection the way it should have last year when you got guys like Marcus Cannon and Shaq Mason having subpar years uh, for both of them it just was a recipe for disaster and it's no wonder Tom Brady had the struggles that he did last year yeah uh, definitely definitely interesting situation with that offensive line Uh, I can speak uh, very same uh, situation in Cleveland with the offensive line Uh, did nobody any favors um Something that always intrigues me with uh, New England is the ability to get away from a player like one year before 
uh, it's too late. <laughs> uh, you know, when it comes to trades or free agency, it's always like big time buyer beware when it comes to dealing with New England. Uh, and it also comes uh, on the opposite way, seller beware with whoever you're trading to New England. Because uh, it seems like they find some diamond in the rough and turn into some sort of superstar or uh, productive player. Um, you know, I, I've seen them take multiple players from the Browns and turn them into something. Uh, you know, Danny <laughs> Shelton, Jabal Sheard, Barkavius Mingo, uh, just to name a few. <laughs> no, keep, no that, that's good. I, you know, I kind of forget sometimes, you know, how many players uh, the, the Patriots have fleeced from Cleveland. No, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm kidding, folks. Uh, no, and. In all actuality, it really is. It's about finding the right fit for your system. It's about finding the right fit for your roster. Um, Bill Belichick took a lot of pages out of the book of a guy like Herb Brooks. You know, and I hate to say this because it sounds cliche, but if you ever watch the movie Miracle, and I'm sure most people that have listened to this podcast have, I mean, it's pretty much, you know, standard lexicon for sports movies. Um, You know, there's a scene where Herb Brooks, Kurt Russell playing Herb Brooks, says, you know, I'm not out for the best players. I'm out for the right ones. And that that's essentially how Bill Belichick runs his team here in New England. It's about finding the right fit. It's about being able to understand what your players can contribute and how they're going to fit into the type of team that you want to field. They do have a pretty good eye about letting go of talent early rather than late. Now, there have been some guys that they've let go that have gone on to good careers uh, post-New England, but most of the time... They're here for their prime, and the last few years of their career outside of New England don't necessarily pan out the way it had hoped. Adam Vinatieri, obviously, is the uh, the anomaly there. I mean, he went on to another Hall of Fame career outside of New England with Indianapolis. One can make the argument that he may be more indelible to their legacy even than he is to the Patriots' legacy. Of course, I'm always going to remember him as number four, splitting the uprights in the snow in the old Foxborough Stadium, but still, you can make the case that he's had a great career in Indianapolis as well but the Patriots they'll identify what a player can do and they're not going to deviate from that type of philosophy for anyone Jim we saw it this year in the offseason I mean you know the player that many consider to be the greatest of all time was not even enough to deviate from that system Tom Brady is elsewhere right now in Tampa Bay because the two sides believe that it was in their best interest to mutually move on and it sounds crazy that the Patriots would feel that it might be in their best interest to move on from Tom Brady but I think they both realized that this was the perfect opportunity for them to split if they were going to do that and you know ultimately Tampa Bay stepped up with the two-year contract I think that was the the the, uh, the the sticking point, for lack of a better term, if you want to uh, to you know to get into the logistics of it, I don't. I think New England wanted to continue to go year to year with Tom, and I don't think Tom was having it. And I don't blame Tom for that. Uh, he's earned the right to not have to sing for his supper each and every year. But at the same time, that's the Patriot way. That's the way they do things. So. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I think uh, they brought back uh, Devin McCourty and Matthew Slater. I think those were two big uh, re-signings for the team. Uh, Both great locker room guys, tremendous uh, presence. um, And what they bring to the table will help to stabilize this team a little bit. But ultimately, the Patriots are going to be at a crossroads when it comes to those guys in a year or two as well. So... You know, it, uh, it's just one of those things that they're they're able to do well. But, yeah, GMs and, and uh, you know, opposing uh, teams, when they're doing business with Bill Belichick, sleep with one eye open because he's usually a step ahead. There's only, there's only one trade I can think where New England 
uh, I don't want to say it was wrong or let's just let's put it this way. New England moved on from a player, and it seems like he got better once he left New England, and that's Chandler Jones. That's got to be like the mm. only time that's ever happened. <laughs> yeah, I would probably say that. The one thing that I would say is I think Chandler went to the ideal situation for his game plan. It wasn't so much that I think he got better after he left New England. I just think he went to a better situation for him after he left New England. It's allowing him to play that free-roving linebacker, that free-roving edge rush that he's so amazing at being able to uh, to play. I think it wasn't necessarily the fit that the Patriots thought it was going to be. Now, the talent was definitely there. It was always there with Chandler. It was never a question of that. I know a lot of people like to point to off-field issues or character issues. Uh, I can tell you the Patriots thought very highly of Chandler Jones. It wasn't a situation where they were worried about him being the type of, uh, you know, Patriot, type, quote-unquote Patriot type of guy. I think it was just a, a poor fit for his skill set, and I think a team like Arizona allowed him to really be the focal point of that offense someone they could build around and I think it ended up working out uh, very well for him so yeah I don't necessarily know if it was the Patriots letting go of him thinking he had nothing left in the tank I think they just realized that he probably was never going to be the player he could be if he remained in New England and I think at that point they realized that uh, the best thing to do is to send him to an NFC West team where they would only have to play him maybe once every four years or in the Super Bowl so <laughs> I think Bill Belichick is very strategic about that if he trades you within the division or if he trades you within the conference, that says something. When he tries to jettison you to a team that he doesn't have to see that often, usually means that he knows there's something left in the tank. It's just a poor fit. Yeah, and what it ultimately came down to is money. He got yeah. he got franchise tag in Arizona, making $14.5 million. Then he signed a five-year, $82.5 million contract. That just, those type of things, very the franchise tag rarely happens in New England. Five-year, $82 and a half million dollar contract for a non-quarterback doesn't happen there. Um, right. So that's what it comes down to. And what uh, a lot of teams have a hard time doing is resisting the urge to to make those type of moves. And we've seen time and time again that New England uh, has shied away from that and they've been successful for a long time because of it. Yeah, they have been. And that's a very good point about the franchise tag and about money. It always comes down to that. I mean, let's face it. It's what teams do well, uh, you know, to be able to maneuver the salary cap, to be able to work within the process. It's one of the reasons why New England has has had such long-term sustained success. We've seen so many other teams in both conferences overextend themselves, make signings that were a little bit too aggressive, and then all of a sudden they have to take a step back for a few years in order to recover from the cap hits that they've had and then be able to move forward. Uh, New England has never really had to do that because they've had a good handle, a good grasp on what their limits are, what their cap to spend is, and also what they're looking for in terms of players on the field and they have a great they have a very good eye of being able to identify the talent that could succeed in their uh, in their system so again it's just it's one of those things that uh, um, in Foxborough for the last 20 years we've been very fortunate to witness and, and credit to New England for their ability to just scout a maybe a specific trade or specific thing a player can do well and you know as they say, do your job, only make him do that one thing instead of making a, a player who has obvious deficiencies in many areas try to do everything. Uh, that's a problem that a lot of teams seem to have. They draft a player, he doesn't turn out to be 
maybe what they expected. So instead of just adapting him to fill that one role, they jettison him and they usually end up in New England and all of a sudden Jabal Sheard turns that into two other contracts or <laughs> <laughs> you know It's true. I mean? It 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 really is. And you know, I think again, I think that the whole do your job mentality really is do what is best for the team. I mean play where you're needed. Uh we've seen players, you know, play out of position in New England. It's really it's it's a it's almost a foregone conclusion that you're going to see players play out of position at a number of points throughout the year. Troy Brown was one of the better Patriot wide receivers in history. He lined up at defensive back several times. I mean, we've seen, you know, guys like Mike Vrabel at linebacker line up at fullback or even line up at tight end and make catches uh, in the offense. Uh, we saw Landon Roberts last year, who was a linebacker line up at fullback and be very effective at doing that. It's simply identifying what players can do well, knowing the skill set, knowing the scouting and knowing their potential and being able to put them in a position on the field where they can utilize that potential. New England is very good at that and uh, they will continue to be. I think that's why their sustained success is not necessarily over. I don't think it's going to be what it was, folks. I really and truly don't. I don't see New England competing for a Super Bowl title this year, but I think they're going to be a little better than people uh, think they are, and that to me is one of the reasons why versatility and the system that they run is going to allow them to experience some sustained success, at least for the next few years. And uh, sorry to spring this on you, but uh, they just changed that... uh clock-killing rule that Belichick exploited multiple times last year that a lot of people <laughs> seem to be upset with. Um, but that just goes to show how well he knows the rules of the game, and he knows the rule book backwards and forwards and every which way. That That's another reason why that team has been so good for so long. There's no one that knows the rule book better than Bill Belichick. I say a lot on uh, Locked On Patriots that Bill Belichick has been to the puppet show and he's seen the strings, folks. Uh, he really has. I mean, you are not going to put anything over on Bill Belichick. I also say a lot when I'll break down a play or when I'll criticize maybe a move that was made. And I'll say, you know, take this with a grain of salt, folks, because remember, Bill Belichick has forgot more football than I will ever know. And really, I think that's true of most people. Uh, he really is a tremendous encyclopedia when it comes to rules, regulations, when it comes to knowing uh, formations, things that he needs to do. And he has a photographic memory when it comes to things like that. I've seen him during press conferences and I've seen him during interviews be able to recount the snap count in a game that happened five years ago that was, you know, and, and people will look and they'll be just absolutely astonished by how well he's able to remember, uh, you know, things of that nature. It's, it's remarkable to watch. And again, it's one of the, the things that makes him the coach that he is. It's one of those things that makes him the, the, the great, one of the greatest uh, coaches in, in sports history, not even just in, in NFL history, in sports history. That type of mastery of your craft is not easy. He makes it look easy because of the success that he's had for the last 20 years, but putting together that type of knowledge year after year after year is very difficult. Again, I don't think there's a big surprise that that rule was going to be challenged and was going to be overturned this year. Uh, I think the other uh, smirk that he had on the sideline when he utilized it a few times we've all seen the, the picture folks i love it i actually have it saved and i use it at times when uh, when i want to uh, be funny on social media but it's great it really really is we know we know the type of 
guy that Bill Belichick is. He knows when he puts it over on you. And, and trust me, he may not seem like he has a great sense of humor, folks. He truly and really does. And that's that's some of the best stuff to Bill Belichick is knowing like, yeah, I got one over on you. And, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what kind of unearthing he does with the rule book this year what he what he digs out that next year we'll be talking about as a rule that had to be overturned because bill belichick caught everybody off guard <laughs> oh he's gonna find some bizarre offensive line lining lining up rule or some way to somehow get like three quarterbacks on the field at the same time something weird okay <laughs> he's gonna find some weird rule and he's gonna be like no, I got it right here. He's going to be that guy. Just like, says I can do it right here. Just holding up a playbook or, you know, the rule book and showing it to the ref. Absolutely. Yep. Where does it say I can't do this? <laughs> <laughs> That's what he'll be. Uh, I want to get your opinion on one more thing. Uh, the NFL got rid of the pass interference uh, review policy. Mm-hmm. Uh, were you for or against them getting rid of it? Or, and, um, would you have been interested in giving it one more year of a try if they would have actually done it correctly and actually wanted to go through with the process? Because a lot of times it just seemed like they were just giving everyone a big F you every single time pass interference was uh, reviewed and ultimately not overturned. Yeah, I mean, I, I in theory, I would have been amenable to giving it one more year under the circumstances that you described doing it the right way giving it the proper time that they needed making sure that the play was exactly what they needed it to be before making a call there are two reasons why i don't think that was feasible one it just would have taken too much time i I really believe that it was going that was really i think a big factor there and second of all it's so it's such a discretionary penalty that you can say all you want to that personal feelings don't account for it or certain guys call it a certain way it's a it's not really objective and cut and dry and black and white i think there's so much gray area when it comes to pass interference that i just think it was very tough to sustain and tough uh, for a call like that to be reviewable so ultimately i think the league made the only decision that they could it just wasn't working i think they were smart to cut bait with it you know early on rather than let it linger and continue some of the difficulties it was universally panned last year and I think they realized that this just had to uh, to be uh, overturned. But in a perfect world, ideally, I, I think it could have worked if they really invested the time that they wanted to in it. But ultimately, I don't think they had a choice here. I, I, I agree with what they did. Um, maybe they'll revisit it you know down the line maybe it'll be something where they'll they'll make tweaks to it and they'll be able to develop a system that works within the time frame and uh, within the um, parameters of the rule book that they want to but right now i just don't think they had a show they didn't have a choice maybe uh, incorporate some sort of uh, sky judge along with it that for some reason they also decided not to opt to do this year yeah i think that's on the table uh from what i've heard they didn't like the way it was worded they didn't like the way it was put together i don't think a lot of background went into it i think they kind of were they wanted to get it on the table so quickly that I don't think they really worked out a lot of the kinks in that rule. Uh, but I can tell you people that I've talked to uh, around uh, the league that are close to that, um, 
you know, with Locked On and whatnot, I've, I've talked to a few people that have said that that's something that will probably come up again next year. Uh, just I, I don't think it was the right timing for it because they just there were too many things that could go wrong. And I don't think they wanted to just rush it out there for the sake of doing that. They did that last year with the uh, the pass interference and it backfired big time. I don't think they wanted the same type of uh, difficulties. Yeah, it sounds like from the description of the way that they were going to do it, it was a way that it was essentially never going to be used. Is what right. it sounded like. Uh, exactly. And is is as lazy as this sounds. Why not just copy what the XFL did? <laughs> yeah, and honestly, I really it would not shock me, Jim, to see some of that rub off on what the NFL is going to do. And you know, NFL would probably not be so readily <laughs> uh they probably won't be so ready to uh, uh to admit that but I, I think in a lot of ways they saw some of the rules especially what they did with the sky judge and and something that could work i think they want to put their own stamp on it and i you know there's something as easily as, as maybe them just not wanting to adapt it because it was so fresh uh you know they want to put their own stamp on it too the nfl say what you will the nfl has its its ego as well and these things factor in i know oh, they're not supposed to but they do and at the end of the day they probably want to make it their own rule rather than say they just adapted uh the xfl's rule but i, I think you're right on the money i think if they did that it would have been a good opportunity for them to uh, enact that this year but again this year may be an up and down year for a lot of reasons with the nfl so mm-hmm. maybe they're better off revisiting it and coming out with something fresh and new in 2021 you know, and just speaking from, you know, let's say a fan's perspective, a fan's not going to care if the NFL didn't come up with some, you know, their own idea or own version of it. They just want to see something that works. So, oh, right. Yeah, Absolutely. We, we, we don't care that you literally stole the system from the XFL and that's what you're using <laughs> to, to, to review. We don't care that you have to find some way of NFL branding to put on this. We don't right. want, we just want something to work. We want to know that, uh, Things are being done correctly, uh, and most of all, when it comes to officiating, fairly. But it, like you said, the NFL sort of uh, <clears throat> has a little bit of an ego with itself, and uh, sometimes it comes to bite them back in the ass, uh, especially yeah. <laughs> especially when there's uh, <clears throat> some uh, charity auction-related items that uh, definitely get rejected because of background checks. Right. No, it's true. You're <laughs> absolutely right. Uh, and that's where that's where they uh, seem to just shoot themselves in the foot, and instead of doing the easy thing. <clears throat> so uh, we'll wrap it up here. Uh, thanks for coming on. Uh, definitely a fun discussion. Definitely uh, we bounced around a little bit towards the end, but you know a lot of Patriots sprinkled some Browns in there and some rule changes, which I'm sure that, like I said earlier, Bill Belichick will find something to uh <laughs> if you don't if you don't if you don't think he's going through the rule book with a magnifying glass and a dictionary and a thesaurus to try and get different definitions of what words mean i don't know what to tell you <laughs> well i'll tell you what next year when we're doing the rule changes and they're uh, uh they're they're released and we're going through what uh the uh, the, the nfl is going to do for 2021 if there's a proposal on the table from bill belichick i'm your guy give me a call i'll come on and i'll uh, i'll uh, i'll interpret the belichickian crystal ball for you my friend that, that's a that's a, be a great opportunity for when uh belichick suggests a rule 